about that too. But my name is Buchanan Jackson. I'm the Life Groups Pastor uh, here at Temple. Uh, please be praying for your pastor tonight. Uh, I think Monday night he uh, preached and then had an interpreter with him. And then tonight he's doing the same thing as an interpreter. So he's down in Mexico. Please pray for him. Uh, pray for him even more because Jeff is with him. I don't think by his own choice, okay? But Jeff's with him, so they're piling up together. And uh, I guess you've seen all the selfies that Jeff has put up showing that he's with preacher and, and trying to rub it in my face that I'm not. I don't know what it is, okay? Um, but that's what we're doing today, okay? So if you got your Bibles, go ahead and turn with me to uh, Numbers 13. Numbers 13. <clears throat> that's in your Old Testament, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, okay? So turn to Numbers 13. Numbers 13. I'll give you a little bit of time. Numbers 13. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers. Still moving around a little bit. We're going to get there. I want to give you time. Numbers 13. Are some of y'all just rattling your papers so you <laughs> so we won't get started? I appreciate that. All right, Numbers 13. If you're there, say amen. All right, let's read. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Send thou men that they may search the land of Canaan, which I give, if you write in your Bible, underline the word give in your Bible, okay? Which I give unto the children of Israel, of every tribe of their fathers shall ye send a man, every one a ruler among them. And Moses, by the commandment of the Lord, sent them from the wilderness of Paran. All those men were heads of the children of Israel. Lord, we thank you for this day. Lord, I'm so thankful for... Lord, just how you've worked in my heart, um, and what we've, um, we're going to discuss tonight, talk about, preach about, um, Lord, hopefully inspire to change um, things in our own life, and Lord, I pray right now, Lord, it wouldn't be about any one individual that's filling this pulpit, Lord, it'd be about you, and what your message is, and what your heart is, and Lord, I, I don't think that anything happens on accident, and Lord, I believe that this is the message that you have for us this hour. Lord, we thank you, we love you, we pray all these things in your wonderful name. Amen. All right, you can be seated. You can be seated. All right, let's, I want to have a little bit of audience participation uh, this, this morning. I keep saying morning. Now, I saw some people like at 6 o'clock and I said good morning. Isn't that horrible? Do not do that, okay? Um, so, with a raise of hands, how many of you played Little League baseball or softball as a kid? Everybody raise your hand if you did that. Okay. Now, keep those hands raised. It's okay. It's all right. Don't be for long. Don't worry. Okay? How many of y'all kept going or at least got to the point where the kids actually started pitching to you? Keep your hand up. Okay, now put your hand down. All right. So, I played Little League Baseball, and, uh, and we, had, we were the kind of where each year we were the Cardinals or uh, the Red Sox or the Dodgers and all those different Major League Baseball teams. And so, I played... Uh, played baseball, started at T-ball, man, that's great. Put the ball on the tee, doesn't move, that's awesome. I can hit that ball. Then we went on to, we didn't do coach pitch, okay, we did machine pitch. What it was is this, this big, huge wheel that went like, to me, looked like 100 miles an hour, right? Everybody remember this? Yes, no? Okay, maybe it was just in Georgia. All right, thanks. Um, okay, so it's a big wheel, you put the baseball in there, it, kinda, it was like one, two, three, shoot it right, right down the middle. I could hit that pitch even. But then kid pitch came around. And then something happened. For all those people that had gotten kid pitch, 
what happened? I got what? I got scared of the ball. Because that ball wasn't on a tee. And that ball wasn't coming straight down the middle. Every time he, he would wind up and throw it, I thought it's coming right to my head. Okay? It was not pretty at all. So, if you're the kid who's scared of the ball, and I was the Braves that year. I'm from right outside of Atlanta. We were the Atlanta Braves. Okay? Really, just the, the Norcross Braves. But hey, to me, we were the Atlanta Braves. And every single time I got up, what do you think I did? Watch the ball go by. And if I got to walk, I walked to first. And if he actually threw strikes, which was sometimes there, sometimes not, I walked back to the bench. Next at bat, I get up. I watch him go by every time. I didn't swing the bat one time that year. Not one time. I was scared of the ball. I was scared of the ball. Okay. So, and, and why was I scared of the ball? Well, a couple of things was fear. Like I said, I, I was worried. I think I was thinking that kid's going to hit me. He can't control it. He's going to hit me. He's going to hit me. I was scared of the ball. But then also, some, sometimes I had some worry, like anxiety about it. Because if, if, if it wasn't fear that was, that was motivating me not to swing, it was a worry of, well, if I swing and I strike out, then there, there's going to be people that are disappointed in me. My coaches are going to be disappointed in me. My parents are going to be disappointed in me. My teammates are going to let them down. So for me, it was I stepped to the plate, but I'm not going to swing. I'm not going to swing. Now, what, what we're going to talk about tonight and what I experienced and even hoped to happen it, when I stepped to the plate is that sometimes what we experience when God asks us to be obedient to him and what he asks us to do. We step up to the plate, but for whatever reason, we won't swing. Okay? So here's what we're going to do. We're going to actually walk through Numbers 13 and 14. Oh my goodness, are you serious, Buchanan? Okay? Yes. We're going to walk through it. Now, thankfully, y'all will be happy about this. There is um, uh, 33 verses in... Uh, 13, and there are 45 verses in 14, and guess what? I'm not going to read every verse, all right? Okay, that would be kind of boring. But we're going to walk through uh, Numbers 13 and 14, so you can kind of follow along and go with that. We're going to do a little bit of Bible study tonight. I promise you this is not the whole entire message, walking through Numbers 13 and 14. But the reason why I want to do this is that I, I want you to understand the whole story, okay? All right? Sometimes sometimes we, we, we get part of a story or we get the beginning of a story, or whatever. And, and what does everybody say? For every story, there's always what? Two sides to every single story, right? Okay? So I want to talk about that. That's the title of my message. There's, all, there's two sides to every story. So here's how we're going to walk through it. First of all, let's talk about the book of Numbers. The book of Numbers, just so I can catch you up, the book of Numbers is the, is the um, fourth, uh, excuse me, excuse me, the last book, um, the last book of the, of, the, of the first five books of the Bible, commonly called the law. Um, I'm excuse, excuse me, it's the fourth book. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Appreciate that, uh, senior pastor. <laughs> okay. Um, it's the fourth book. Excuse me. Apologize. So it's the fourth book in the, what's commonly called the law. And what it is, is this is a, uh, uh, we've kind of gone through, okay, we've, we, we have the Exodus, we get out of Egypt, we go, start going in the wilderness, then we get the law, and they're at the cusp of going into the promised land, okay? It's been about a year. They're at the cusp of going into the promised land. Now, this is not before the whole wilderness thing. 
in 40 years. This is, we went there, we're at the cusp of going in there. So they're at the cusp of getting over to the promised land. And God tells, them, tells Moses to do some things. And one of the things he tells them is, to every, I want you to number everyone, okay? That's why the book is called Numbers. They're numbering people, okay? And so what they said is, okay, everybody um, over the age of, uh, male, 20 and up, and they can go to war, I want you to number them, okay? So he numbers them. So the first several chapters of Numbers, they're numbering people, okay? Because so, when I said turn to Numbers, some of y'all started Numbers and never finished it because it was really, really hard reading, okay? So we get to that point. He does that. He also gives them some final instructions. The people start to murmur a little bit. Um, and, and the book of Numbers also is a book of murmuring. Um, but they're still moving forward. But we get to this point right here in Numbers 13. So um, what, what God says to Moses is, I want you to pick out men to go and look at and, and survey the land that you're about to go get. Okay, that I'm going to give to you. That's what I want you to like give. That I'm going to give to you, go survey that land out. So what they do is there's 12 tribes of Israel, so they select a man from every single tribe to be those 12 spies to go check out the land and then come back and report to them, okay? And, and Moses tells them some things. He says, you know, I want you to check out the people, and I want you to check out the land. Look at the people and look at the land. Those are the two things I want you to check out. So they go. They're gone for 40 days. They're gone for 40 days. That When they get there, or, or as they're coming back, they, they, they find amazing fruit. One of the things they find is they find a cluster of grapes that's so big that you have to have a, a, be on staff, and one guy's got to be on the front and one guy's got to be on the back. Now, I don't know about you. I'm, I'm, I've been up to Walmart a couple times. I've never seen that big of a cluster of grapes. Okay? I'm so, okay? Uh, I mean, maybe it's the whole grape stand that's there, but the cluster of grapes that, they're ta- that we see are like this. But if you think about the size that that had to be, they had to be on the staff for two men to have to carry it. That's really great. That's really wonderful. Man, that's exciting. They're seeing all that. So it's so big, great, wonderful. So they report back to Moses. So let's look at Numbers uh, 13 and verse 26. It says, And they went and came to Moses and to Aaron and to all the congregation of the children of Israel under the wilderness unto, unto Paran and to Kadesh and brought back word unto them and unto all the congregation showed them the fruit of the land and they told him and said, We came into the land whither thou sendest, and surely it floweth with milk and honey, and this is the fruit of it. So they report back and say, What we heard about this land is true. Now let's talk about this. Let's do a little Bible study, okay? Um, keep your place in Numbers 13. Keep your place in Numbers 13. You probably heard that a lot, the land that flows with milk and honey, right? Yes? This means yes, this means no, okay, all right. Okay, so we've heard that before. So let's go to Exodus, Exodus 3, Exodus 3. So go back to the second book. Yes, the second book, not the wrong book like I told you before. Go back to, go to Exodus 3. I want you to actually turn there, please. Um, so Exodus 3, Exodus 3. I think they're going to put it up here. Good, all right. Exodus 3, starting in verse 7. It says, and this is what happened. God is talking to Moses through the burning bush. And here's what happened. And the Lord said, I've surely seen the affliction of my people which are in Egypt and have heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. And I've come down to deliver them out of the hand of of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of of that land unto a good land and a large, unto a land flowing with milk and honey. Okay? 
and the place the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the uh, Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. Okay. Now I want you to look at, go a little farther in that same chapter, and we'll look at verse 17. Verse 17. And I have said, oh, now this is what's going on here. God tells Moses to speak this to the people. Okay. And he said, and, and what he's telling them to say is, I have said, I will bring up you out of the affliction of Egypt into the land of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites unto a land flowing with milk and honey. Okay, so he's at the burning bush. I'm going to provide you land with milk and honey. He tells to him again, says, tell this to the people. I'm going to provide you land with milk and honey. Go to chapter 13 of Exodus. Go to chapter 13 of Exodus. <laughs> chapter 13 of Exodus. Okay. Now we're going to look at verse 5. And it shall be, and it shall be, now this is what's going on. Moses is actually speaking to the people. God told him to say this. This is what he's telling them, okay? And it shall be when the Lord shall bring thee into the land of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the, and the, and the Hivites and the Jebusites, which he swear unto thy fathers to give, there's that word again, to give thee a land flowing with milk and honey that thou shalt keep this service in this month. Okay. Now, um, let's go, okay, so three different times, land of milk and honey. So this, there is no reason why the nation of Israel, at this point we are in numbers, should have any doubt that this is the land, right? Okay, because they said, it's surely a land of milk and honey. So they remember back when Moses told them it would be a land of milk and honey. Okay, now going back into numbers, 13, 28, and 29. So they say all that. Look, we found great fruit, floweth milk and honey. Verse 28. Nevertheless, the, pe the, people, uh, the people be strong that dwell on the land, and the cities are walled and very great. Moreover, we saw the ch children of Anak there, and the, and, and the Amalekites dwell in the land of the south, and the Hittites, and the Jebusites, and the Amorites dwell on the mountains, and the Canaanites dwell by the sea, by the coast of Jordan. Now, holding your place back at Exodus, I hope you did that, okay? Let's go to chapter 33. Chapter 33. <laughs> y'all like my little song as I'm turning? I, I know y'all appreciate that. Look, the jokes will get better, I promise you, okay? All right, so let's look at this. Now, let, let me just ask this question real quick. Do you, now, the land that floweth with milk and honey, that was, a, that was a theme throughout those verses, right? Okay. Now, we started listing off different people groups. Were those also in, the, also in those same verses? Yes, they were, okay? So there's a connection there. Land that floweth with milk and honey and these different people groups, okay? So let's look at verse 2. Verse 2 in, in chapter 33. And I will send an angel before thee, and I will, what? Drive out. Who? The Canaanites. The Amorites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. Unto a land flowing with milk and honey. For I will not go in the midst of these, for thou art stiff-necked people, lest I consume thee in the way. Now, in this situation, this is right after you have them making the golden calf and making the idol. But God is still saying, you're going to go to that land. You're going to go to that land. And not only are you going to go to that land, you are going to see... People that are there that look stronger than us, but I'm going to drive them out. 
Okay, does everybody understand where we are right here? Okay, so God has said specifically to this nation, this is what's going to happen. You're going to a land flowing with milk and honey. You're going to a land that has these people groups, and I am going to drive them out. Okay, so we're all good, right? Yes? Okay, so going back to Numbers 13. So that's what they say, okay? We look, their cities are walled, they're very great. I mean, there's all these different groups that are, that are there, and, and, and they're going to, I don't know if we can do this. So then a guy, Caleb, stands up, and he tries to motivate the people, right? Okay, because we're going to talk in this. This is about Joshua and Caleb. Y'all probably heard about Joshua and Caleb like crazy. If you have any kind of church background, they probably preach about Joshua and Caleb, the whole thing. This is not your typical Joshua and Caleb story. I'll just go ahead and put that out there, okay, our, our message. But Caleb stands up and says, hey, let's go up at once and possess it, for we are able to overcome it, okay? But then the people argue against Caleb. What do they start saying? They start saying, you know what? They're stronger than us. They're stronger than we. They are men of great stature. They are giants, and we are grasshoppers in their sight. Okay, so they start saying, okay, this is, this is not going to be a good idea. So now let's turn into Numbers 14. Numbers 14. Numbers 14. So what happens? Uh, verse 1 and 14. And all the congregation lifted up their voice and cried, and the people wept that night. Oh my gosh! We're going to die! Does that sound like you? Anybody Anybody ever do that? Okay. You don't ever get emotional about something and, and, and scream and fuss about it, do you? No, we wouldn't do that. That's just me, right? Okay, just making sure. Okay. And all the congregation lifted up their voice and cried, and people wept that night. And all the children of Israel murmured against Moses and against Aaron, and the whole congregation said unto them, Would God that we had died in the land of Egypt, or would God we had died in this wilderness? And wherefore hath the Lord brought us unto this land to fall by the sword? So you mean he brought us out of Egypt so he could kill us? Great. Okay, thanks. All right. That our wives and our children should be a prey? Were it be better for us to return into Egypt? What? Go back to Egypt? Go back to bondage? Really? Okay. And they said one to another, let's make a captain and let's return to Egypt. Let's get to this, this old Moses and Aaron guy kick them out of here, and find us somebody else that will lead us back into Egypt. Now, was that, was that God's plan to bring them back to Egypt? No. The, God's plan was them to have a promised land, a promised land. So, here's the deal. Verse 6, Joshua and Caleb, Joshua the son of Nun, Caleb the son of whoever that is, which were of them that searched the land, rent their clothes. They ripped their clothes. I'm thinking like Hulk Hogan style, you know what I mean? You know, ripped their clothes. Get pretty angry about that. Some of y'all didn't like wrestling. Okay, all right. So, and they spake unto all the company of the children of Israel, saying, The land which we pass through to search it is an exceeding good land. If the Lord delight in us, then he will bring us into this land and give it us, a land which floweth with milk and honey. Only rebel not ye against the Lord. Neither fear ye the people of the land, for they are bread for us. Their defense is departed from them, and the Lord is with us. Fear them not. Joshua and Caleb are saying, it's an exceedingly good land. This is good land. The Lord will give it to us. We've seen the word give, 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 give. The Lord is with us, okay? 
So what's the people's response? Yeah, let's go take the land. No, it's let's go stone them. <laughs> Boy, isn't that encouraging? Don't you? You're, man, let, let, let me stand up and say something and, and hope that, oh, no, okay. All right. So they say, let's stone them. So the Lord responds. The Lord responds. Seems like that's an overwhelming, as you read the first few books of the Bible, it's like the nation of Israel will do good, then they'll disobey, and then God has to step in and deal with it. So he deals with it, okay? This is his promised land. So he says, at first, let me do this. Moses, I'm going to destroy them all. I'm going to start back over with you. We'll destroy them all and be done, okay? But Moses pleads to him and says, God, please don't do that. Because if you do that, what are they going to say back in Egypt? That, hey, you know what? Their God delivered them into the wilderness so that he could kill them all. Okay? So that's not probably a good idea. So God pardons them because of Moses' plea, but with one caveat. With one caveat. Um, Numbers 14, 22, and 23. It says, Because of all those men which have seen my glory and my miracles, which I did in Egypt and in the wilderness, and have tipped me now these ten times, and have not hearkened to my voice, Surely they shall not see the land which I swear unto their fathers. Neither shall any of them that provoked me see it. Okay? So there's that caveat. They're not going to see that land anymore. God is saying, I'm done. Okay? Now, he's not done completely, thankfully. He's not done completely. But he's saying, you know what? The people that said and rose up against Joshua and Caleb and wouldn't go take the land, they're not going to see that land. It's not going to be there. So the Lord, and then what the Lord does is he commands them. He says, what I want you to do is turn around and go back in the wilderness. Okay? So that's where we are. So, so now Moses is tasked with telling the people what God said about their disobedience. And what were the consequences to that? So he says, here's what's going to happen. All men that are numbered will die in the wilderness except for Joshua and Caleb. All those people that we numbered at the very beginning of the book, those, those males, 20 and up, and, and um, can go to war, they're all going to be done. They are going to perish in the wilderness, except for Joshua and Caleb. Now, the children's were, children were survived. Now, remember, when they were saying, hey, they brought us out here for our wives and our children to become prey, that's the very people that God says, yeah, you think they're going to become prey, they're the very people that are going to go into the, into the promised land, okay? And then what they're going to do is they're going to wander in the wilderness for 40 years. The spies were gone for how many days? 40 days, okay? So God says for every day they were out spying, every day is going to be a year. So 40 years in the wilderness, okay? Well, then what happens is some of the people say, you know what? They wake up in the morning and go, what have we done? Oh, we'll go. God will be okay. All right? So they'll go into the land. But Moses warns them and said, look, you've already disobeyed God one time. God said, go back in the wilderness, and you disobeyed him. Probably not a good idea. But they go anyways, and what happens? They get killed, okay? They're slain by those very people, by the Amalekites and the Canaanites, okay? They smote them, and they were done, okay? So that's the whole entire story. That's the whole entire story of Joshua and Caleb. Now, that was a long story. I understand that, okay? But I wanted you to get where we, where we started from, and where we're ending, okay? So the beginning, at the beginning of this chapter 13, they're about to go in the promised land, he names the spies, and then at the end of it, they have to turn back, go in the wilderness. Still some people do their own thing, 
and they go and they get killed, okay? So that's where we are. So there's two sides to every single story. There's two sides of every single story. Now, at the beginning, I told you my little baseball illustration, and I made the comment about is there a parallel between what I was doing in baseball and the way we view our obedience to Christ. So here's what I'm going to ask you, okay? We're going to set up a line, okay? We're going to set up a line. The line goes right here. There's my little camera I was talking to every single week, and I say, those joining us online each and every week, okay? All right, I'm sorry. I've been forgetting about y'all on the balcony. I will still start looking to y'all again. Okay, so here's our line. Does everybody see where our line is? Yes? Okay, this is the participation time, okay? I know you can't physically see the line, okay? Imagine with me. There's a line, okay? All right, so here's a line. This is the line of obedience. This is the line of God said, God said do this, okay? And we're going to be either on this side of the line, the left side of the line, or we're going to be on the right side of the line. Okay, is everybody with me? Yes? Okay, all right, man. You're like, if we don't answer him, he's going to keep asking the same question. Okay, that's true. Okay, so let's look at what happened in this verse of Scripture, and then we'll apply it to our lives, okay? So let's go back into... Uh, numbers 13, okay? Because there's two definite situations where we see that there was a line and they made a decision, okay? All right, so uh, chapter 13, well, let's look at this, okay? Two, two sides of the line. God says, do it. So here's one side of the line. God says, do it. There are obstacles to me not doing what God told me to do, okay? That's one side of the line. Okay, God says do this, but my response is obstacles. Everybody say that with me. Obstacles, okay? But then there's the other side. You already gave me my other point. Man, totally killed it. Okay, so on the right side of the line, there's... There you go, all right. Okay, so one mentality is God tells me to do something. I'm going to focus on the obstacles. Then when God tells me to do something, I will focus on the opportunities, okay? So we're going to talk about what's the, why we go from one point to the other, and obviously everybody understands the right way to go, but it's not always that easy, is it? Okay, so verse 13, or chapter 13, excuse me, and verse 26, and they went up, came to Moses and Aaron, to all the congregation of the children of Israel, under the wilderness of Paran and Kadesh, and brought back word unto them, and all the congregation showed the fruit of the land. And they told them and said, We come into the land, whether thou send us, Surely it flow from milk and honey, and this is the fruit of it. Okay? Nevertheless, the people be strong that dwell in the land. Cities are walled and very great. And moreover, um, we saw the children of Anak there, and the Amalekites dwell in the land, the Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites, the Canaanites. What do those all sound like? Obstacles. Okay? They sound like obstacles, right? Okay? You don't understand. The cities are great, very great. All these people here, those are obstacles. What is Caleb's response? And Caleb stilled the people and foremost and said, Let us go up at once and possess it, for we are able to overcome it. What is he looking at? Opportunities. Opportunities. But they say again. But that man went up with us. He said, We're not able. They're stronger than we. Okay? They're a greater stature. Now they're giants. Do you notice how that gets bigger and bigger? Isn't it amazing over here? We get over here in obstacle land, and we go, well, I can't do it that reason. And I really can't do it because of that reason. And I really can't do it because of that reason. Okay? And then we start saying, I can't do, I can't do it because of all these obstacles, 
And then they're like, and then in the midst of that, looking at that obstacle, I just can't do it. I don't have the ability. I'm a grasshopper compared to this giant, okay? So that's where they are, okay? So there's, there's, an, there's some people that say, okay, God tells me to do something. But God, there's obstacles. Okay, y'all can help me with this, okay? Oh, God, you told me to do something, but there are Nice, I love it, okay? All right. Or, God, you told me to do something, there are Nice, man. That is awesome. You're doing great. Okay, so obstacles and opportunities. Now, let's be real with each other. God tells us to do things. What do we have a tendency to go towards? Obstacles. We go over here and we say, God, I want to, but. Right? But you don't understand this, but you don't understand this, but you don't understand this. Okay? Now, this is a little bit, little bit of, of the same, but, but kind of different. Okay? So, Go, to, um, go back to 14, chapter 14, and we won't read it through again, but we have, we have people that are the first few, ch- few verses, they're over here, and they're making excuses. Say that with me? Excuses, okay? And then there's another p- party over here, Joshua and Caleb, that are talking about empowerment. Empowerment, okay? Because here's the difference. Joshua and Caleb say... Okay, God told us that he was going to give us the land. God said to go in the land. So because he told us to go in the land, we're going to believe what God said. Okay? And we're going to look at it and say, okay, why are we empowered? Why are we empowered? We said it was a good, good, exceedingly good land. We said um, that he would bring us into the land and give it to us. But here's the key word or or the key phrase. Verse 9, only rebel not against the Lord. Neither fear ye the people of the land, for they are bred for us. Their defense is departed from them. And the Lord is with us. With us. Now let's talk about what we talked about on Sunday. This past Sunday we talked about the importance of being filled with the Holy Spirit. Does that sound like an opportunity for an excuse? Or does that sound like an opportunity for empowerment? Empowerment. Joshua and Caleb felt like and believed that it doesn't matter all the obstacles and excuses that are over here. We see opportunities. We see opportunities to take the land. But it's not just about the opportunities. It's not that we're going to go by ourselves. God's with us and going to empower us to do the things that we need to do. All right. Now, let me ask this question. Which side of the story are you going to be on? Which side of the line are you going to be when it comes to obedience? Now, let's talk about baseball again. Isn't that fun? I'm coaching the baseball team for the very first time, head coach. I need it. Um, it, it I, I, I'm, I hope I have a winning record because um, I'm, uh, this is my first year and my last year. <laughs> I'm retiring. Hanging up my hat, okay? But it's been fun. Let's talk about a baseball illustration, Okay. When I was up to bat, I wasn't thinking opportunities, was I? Okay, I wasn't, okay? I was thinking about obstacles. So here's my obstacles. He might hit me with the ball. We've already talked about that. Um, he's throwing so fast because when you're a nine-year-old kid and somebody's throwing a baseball at you, it looks like it's coming 100 miles an hour, even though he's probably getting 40 at best, all right? Uh, if I do hit it, they'll probably catch it because there's one of me and nine of them, Okay? Those are obstacles, right? Okay. Now, I wasn't thinking empowerment either. Or let's use the word encouragement there. 
I wasn't thinking empowerment encouragement uh, because I wasn't thinking about the, the encouragement I was going to receive from my coaches or my teammates or my parents. I was making excuses. If I swing and strike out, I won't get on base. So I just can't swing. My coaches haven't worked with me enough on hitting. Because remember at the beginning of 14, it wasn't the people's fault. It was Moses and Aaron's fault. Isn't that easy to do, right? Well, let me just blame this person over here. Because it's a whole lot easier to blame somebody than to actually take personal responsibility for ourselves. Okay, that was just a, that was a bonus. Okay? My coaches haven't worked with me enough on hitting. And you know what? I'm so surprised that that pitcher threw more strikes than balls. He knew what I was trying to do. He knew I was trying to get on base. It was his responsibility to throw more balls than strikes so that I can get on base. Okay? Now, if I approached the plate with opportunity empowerment on my mind, I would have said this. If I hit the ball, I might hit it in the gap and get a double. Isn't that nice? Okay? If I strike out swinging, look at this. If I strike out swinging, at least I tried and I learned something for the next at bat. If I do strike out, I know my coaches will continue to help me. My teammates will encourage me and my parents will support me. So when I went up to bat, I had a responsibility. I had a job to do. I had a purpose, right? What was that? What was I supposed to do? Hit the ball. <laughs> yes, you got to swing to hit the ball. I got you, okay? But my role and my responsibility was to hit the ball. Hit the ball. Hit the ball. Okay. So, let me ask this question. Where are you right now in your Christian walk? Let me ask this question. If, let me say this. If you're a Christian, you are already up to bat. Okay? We're going to take it that you're a Christian, you're up to bat, because, why are you up to bat? Because I promise you, day after day, you are getting opportunities to be obedient to Christ. Every day, God is giving you opportunity after opportunity after opportunity to be obedient to Him. So, well, I don't know what God wants me to be obedient in. I'm glad you asked that question. That's a great question, okay? Now, there are certain things and certain plans and purposes that I can't tell you definitively that God is calling you or telling you to do those things. But I have a really awesome tool in my hand right now that will tell me, and is for every single believer, of how we should live our lives in obedience to Christ. Does everybody agree? All right, so let's talk about some stuff, okay? So husbands, love your spouse as Christ also loved the church, okay? So if we're on the side of, um, okay, God, you want me to love my wife as Christ loved the church. I'm going to go on this side. God, you don't know her like I do. She's all nice at church. She smiles. I don't get that kind of person at home. Doesn't happen. Now, this is a hypothetical situation, by the way, okay? My wife is awesome. Uh, but, um, you know, uh, God, she yells at me. And I don't, I don't cry in front of people, um, but she yells at me. Some of y'all got that, okay? Uh, and, 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 you know, I've had a long day at work. She knows I've had a long day at work. You know what I mean? I've had a long day at work, and sometimes, you know what, I'm all talked out. I just can't talk anymore, okay? And I know, I know, I know, uh, you know, she needs help with the dishes, and she works too, but, you know, that's her job. I'm just, I'm just kidding, okay? 
Again, hypothetical situation. Okay? No, well, come on. I don't need your help over there, Sam. Okay. All right, so we're looking over at obstacles. Okay? Now, let's say, okay, that's all funny and stuff, but let's be honest. Sometimes it's easier in a marriage to look at some obstacles, look at the excuses, instead of over here going, you know what? I know it's been a long day at work, and I know she's mean to me, <laughs> but I have an opportunity to make her day better. Because what I've found out is that hurt people may hurt other people too. Maybe there's some pain. Maybe she's had a bad day at work. And maybe I need to think about what she's going through and not what I'm going through. And you know what, God, I'm, 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 I'm tired. It's been a long day at work. But I know with you by my side, empowering me and helping me, I can, be, I can love my wife like you love the church. You gave your life for the church. I can do that, God. See the difference? Okay. There's one example. Okay. How about don't provoke your children to wrath? <laughs> Some of you are like, well, they deserve it. Okay. <laughs> All right. So I'm over here. I'm over here. God, you, you, you didn't know my wife, but you really don't know my kids. Okay. I understand my kids aren't saved, but I didn't realize they were going to be demon-possessed before they got <laughs> saved, all right? So I need your help, God. I need your help with this, uh, but uh, I, I really don't think this is going to work. And, uh, and uh, you know what? Uh, I know you told me not to provoke them, but they sure like to provoke me. It seems like every time I, 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 I need to do something or I want to watch, you know, SportsCenter, they're always up in my face. Okay? Don't they understand that Alabama football is more important than me spending time with them? It's important. Don't they understand this? Okay? So we get in this place of obstacles. Okay? All right? They whine. God, come on. The whining. What am I, supposed to, I know it's a phase. Can I just like check out on parenting until the whining phase is over? And then I'll like raise them up and train them the way they should go? All right. There's the obstacle side. Go to the opportunity side. All right, Lord. You gave them to me. They're my responsibility. You put them in my care. It was my responsibility to train them up to love and honor you. And so I'm going to take this opportunity. Yeah, it's going to be difficult. It's going to be difficult at times. Sometimes my kids, you know, they're, they're just not with me. But I'm going to take the time. I'm going to be patient. Okay? And God, there's going to be days where my patience is running low. And I'm going to need you to empower me with more patience. And more patience. And more patience to continue to be an encouragement to them. Because I know that when they look at me, that they see, they see a, a form, and they start to understand, okay, Heavenly Father, my Father, is there a connection there? Okay? Oh, oh, I look to my Father, that's how He is, so that must mean that's how my good Heavenly Father is. Does that make sense? Okay? All right, let's go to another one. This is so much fun. All right, here's our line. Okay? All right. Submit to those that are, have authority over you. All right, I'm at work. All right, I told you that my kids were demon-possessed, but my boss is the actual devil, okay? He doesn't appreciate me. I haven't had a raise in three years. I mean, I, I, kids got to eat, you know? I don't like them very much, but we still got to feed them, all right? I hate my boss. I don't only hate my boss, I hate my coworkers. Seems like time, every time they do something stupid, I get blamed for it. Hello, hello, man, I like how I got quiet in the room, okay? All right. You know, I, I, I mean, I, I want to advance, 
but they ain't giving me any opportunities to advance. You know, it seems like I get stepped over so that somebody else can go up and somebody else can go up. Somebody else go, I'm still down here doing all the real work. Nobody's felt that way, right? Okay. All right, I need to submit to the authority. There you go. I've never said that about him. I know it's recorded. <laughs> oh, well. Okay. But here's the deal. Um, I know this is where you've planted me, Lord. This is where you're having me be. You never said it was going to be easy. You never said you were going to put me in a place where it's always going to be fun. But, Lord, I have an opportunity here. I have an opportunity to show you through how I respect my boss. That he can look at my life and say, you know what? He may go home at night and say how crummy he is, but there's that guy at work that for whatever reason he's a Christian and he keeps on taking it and taking it and taking it. Man, there must be something about this Jesus thing. And, and, and my unbel- I've got unbelieving co-workers around me and, and I know that, that, that I've been inviting them to church, but they're not coming. But every single day I get an opportunity to show a little bit of light Tell them a little bit about Jesus. And maybe that one day they're going to say, you know what, I'm willing to, to, to give it a chance. I'm willing to try this whole church thing. I'm willing to try this whole God thing. I don't know what it's all about, but I'm willing to go. And God, I need you to empower me and to help me. When those times when people get stupid <laughs> and difficult and frustrating, and when I get in trouble for what it is and it, that happened that wasn't my fault, but I still got in trouble, but God... You're empowering me, and you're going to help me with that. All right, last example. Last example. God says, you shall be witnesses unto me. I want you to share your faith with somebody else. I want you to tell them about Jesus. God, I'm shy. God, I don't know all the answers. I don't know the right Bible verses to say. Um, You know, I I, I know that person needs to hear something, but, you know, I've got a lot of stuff on my desk too, so I'm just going to work on my stuff. And, you know, I I mean, I want to go to the ball game and talk to people, but, you know, it's more about my kid and, 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 and looking at them and cheering them on than really worrying about the people that are beside me and where they are in their spiritual condition. So I, there's just... You know, I, I'm just scared, God. And, and, and you wouldn't tell me to do something that was scary. You wouldn't do that. Then we go over here in the place of opportunity. And we start to look at people differently. We start to see things. And you know what? It's not Corey or Jason. That's a soul that God wants to save. That's a soul that God wants to save. And it starts to be opportunity. We start to see opportunities to engage with people and to talk to people and say, you know what, spiritual stuff can come up and I want to engage them with the gospel. But sometimes maybe they just need to see somebody that's excited about Jesus and wants to talk about it and then starts the conversation. Their curiosity gets piqued and you say, you know what, one day they're going through something bad and they say, I don't know what to do, but that, 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 that Buchanan guy, he, he has, I've seen him pray every once in a while. I've seen him talk about how great his church is and how it's helped him. Man, I wonder if he can help me with my problem too. And then you look at it and you go, man, this is an opportunity for me to tell you. It's not about me fixing your problem, but I know somebody who can. And God, you've got to empower me. You've got to empower me to give me the right words to say. You've got to empower me for me to look 
and open my eyes to all the people that you're putting in my face that I can share the gospel with. I open my eyes. We walk through. We walk through life. Let me get a pet peeve. We walk through life like this. Don't make eye contact. We shouldn't do that. I was at a conference this past couple days, and, uh, and I had a, a team of folks, some volunteers, and they got kind of mad at me because every single time they turned around, I was talking to somebody new. They were like, did you come with us or did you go? Hold me accountable to that. Help me, help me be accountable to that. I want to always be about engaging other people, meeting new people, because when I'm meeting new people and engaging people, that's another opportunity to talk about God. That's another opportunity to witness, okay? We don't need to walk through life like this. We need to walk through life like this. God, show me. Tell me. Oh, that person right there? I'm going. And be obedient. Everybody says, you know what? I'm obedient to God. Okay, but when we put them on these two sides, let me ask this question. How many of y'all related more to this side than to the other side? Say amen. Or oh me. (laughs) Okay, all right. It gets difficult. I understand that, okay? It gets difficult. Now, um, y'all, um, 12 minutes. We've got time. Here we go. All right, let me give you a little illustration. This is fun. This blew my mind. Okay, so let's, let, what was the first city? They finally get to the, the, get to the promised land. What's the first city that they, because I want to help y'all with this, because if you're on this side and you're like, oh, me, man, this is a terrible message, Buchanan, because you ain't helping me. You just told me how horrible I am, okay? I don't want to do that. So, um, what's the first city they conquer in um, when they get to the promised land? Huh? Nineveh? Jericho, wasn't it? Okay, I was about to say, it's all right. It's all right. Hey, us preachers don't always have all the answers, okay? I thought it was the fifth book in the Bible. I mean, come on. Sam said Nineveh. That's, that was Jonah, okay? I think that's, okay, I got it. All right, here we go. All right, Jericho. Thank you, Todd, all right? Jericho, Jericho. All right, so now we're all on the same page. Okay, so how many spies were sent out to survey the land in Numbers 13? Twelve, okay? Good. All right, you're going to do the math. It's going to get a little harder, okay? After they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years, and we said this was the first city they conquered, was Jericho, okay? All right. How many times, be, be careful before you answer, how many times did they march around Jericho? Thirteen. Oh, Sam's saving himself right there. He's like, I didn't have the right answer before, but I have it this time, okay? 13, 13, I told y'all it wasn't 7, okay, um, or maybe I didn't, uh, 13, uh, one time around each day for 6 days, 7 times, on the 7th day, 13 times, okay, what's the difference between 13 and 12, this is easy, 1, okay, let's talk about Numbers 13, Numbers 13, God says, um, pick out 12, one, every single tribe of Israel, okay, that, those representations, those 12 people, this, you're going to preach this next time you get a chance, Sam. Just this one point, I promise you. Okay, here we go. 12, that represented the nation of Israel. 12 spies, each tribe, nation of Israel, okay? What, was, what were they focusing on when they said, okay, God's telling us to do this? They were focusing on, we can't do it. We can't do it, okay? Now, how many times did they go around Jericho? 13 times. Coincidence, whatever you want to call it, I don't care. They were right. They couldn't do it. They couldn't do it. But when they added one, they could do immeasurably more, didn't they? 
because they were trying to do it 12. But when they added one, which was God, they were able to do everything they thought they couldn't do. That's good stuff, ain't it, Sam? Come on. Okay. I didn't, I didn't pay him to say that, okay? All right. So let me say this. Now, we could be done right now. We've got nine minutes. Amen. Shut your Bibles. We're not going to do that, okay? Every time, and I've heard this preached before in my life, and I've heard other people preach it, and here's what they say. Be a Joshua and Caleb Christian. Go out there. Go. And the rest of us are going, okay, super Christian man. <laughs> it's not that easy. Okay, I get that. I get that. Because if you're on the obstacle side, and I just say, hey, go be Joshua and Caleb. Just go out there and be like, ah! Do that. That's tough. Okay, I, I get that. I get it's tough, okay? So that doesn't always work. So let me, let me give you something that I hope, I hope will be a little bit more of a motivation, okay? Um, this is why it's important to me that you follow in being obedient to God. Because I don't want you to miss what God has for you. See the difference? It's not about so much go be Joshua and Caleb. It's more about God has a perfect plan for your life, and I don't want you to miss it. Okay? Let me show a funny video. This, hopefully this will get you all going a little bit. Three, two, one, go. Whoa. <laughs> that's me and the other one, by the way. Okay. okay. That's not funny. Stop. Okay. Oh, my goodness. There I go. Whoa. I was not having success. I don't want him to say what those are called. I'm not even on screen. I was like, wow, that's weird to watch myself walk off the screen. Okay? Um, I'm not going to say what those are called, but um, that's the newest little um, tool, uh, ministry tool, I guess you can call it, that the teenagers have now. Um, so uh, that is basically what it is. You get in that bubble, and you run as fast as you can into that person. And I was not being very successful. So I found somebody that was uh, a little bit more... Uh, up to my um, uh, ability level. <laughs> Play that one again, please. This is me on the other side. Yes! I went down, but I took Tiffany down! <laughs> um, if any of y'all know Tiffany, she's our um, administrative assistant receptionist up front. Um, I, I weigh her by double. I promise you, I outweigh her by double. Um, and uh, that, I know that's really mean. You're like, are you kidding me, Buchanan? You took down a girl? <laughs> um, when you're not being successful in something, you do everything you can. Now, I will say that one thing, that, there's a guy that runs by that real quick. That's Daniel. He's laughing his head off and running off, okay? So why did I show you that video? First of all, because I felt like y'all was losing y'all. So we want to have a little bit of fun in it, okay? But here's the deal. Man, that's so funny. Now, here's the deal. I, I'm laughing because I'm, I'm laughing at myself. I was terrible at that. I mean, they were destroying me on those things. Okay. Now, here's the point. I experienced something fun today. Okay. I made a memory for me and now for y'all. Okay. Y'all have a memory of me doing that. Okay. But you know who didn't experience that little opportunity? Those who never tried it. Now, I think y'all just thought I just wanted to do that because we did that today, and I was like, i got to put that in the message. And preacher's not here, so woo, let's try it, okay? But what, what's the point I'm trying to make? 
Sometimes God has great and wonderful things for your life, but you're not willing to try. You're not willing to experience it, okay? There are people that they were standing on the sidelines laughing and having a good time, but it's something different. And when you hit that thing, that thing hits your nose, and I'm still feeling the impact of it, okay? But it was bad, okay? But look, the nation of Israel had the promised land right in front of them for the taking, but they ended up missing it. They missed it. Don't miss what God has for you. It's great, and you have to do it, but you have to do it his way in order to find it. Now, I'm about to put up a quote. Don't put up a quote yet. But here's where I am right now, and I just want to be very transparent um, with y'all. Again, uh, I'll tell you who said it, Jeff Robertson. He said, he said, Buchanan, you're the most transparent person I know. I said, but sometimes you show your cards too much, okay? <laughs> it was like that backhanded compliment, you know? But for me, I've been really wrestling with this. Wrestling with the, the idea that I'm 34 years old and I see where I am today. I'm happy and, and things are going well. But, God, what if you have more for me? What if there's, what if there's something else? What if there's something I'm missing? Even in the smallest thing, not... not not in a big grand scheme of things, but if, what, if, what if there are people that you've put in my path that you want me to witness to, but I'm missing that opportunity. I'm missing that opportunity to maybe find maybe my best friend or the person that's going to encourage me the most in the future in my walk with Christ, and I'm missing those things. And, and it, I, I'm in a place right now where I'm, I'm just not content with the status quo. I'm not content with just having an average Christian life. I, I, I believe when, when he says in, in John 10.10 10, that I've come to you, I have life and have it more abundantly, that there, that's true. Okay? I, we, we go through life and we go, okay, step by step, mundane, routine, you know, and as soon as it starts to get a rhythm and starts to get a pace, we get comfortable, don't we? Okay? I don't want to be comfortable with my Christianity. I don't, I don't want to be in a place to where I'm, God, you told me to be obedient. Buchanan, go do this. Go talk to that person. Go be an encouragement to your wife. I know you're tired. Go, go spend some time with your kids and invest in them. Go, don't come with the attitude of everybody around me is not doing what they're supposed to be doing. Go in there and work for me like you're working for me and not anybody else. Go do that, Buchanan. Do that, do that, do that, do that. And, I, and I'm like, I, that's the life I want to live. I'll put my quote up here. <clears throat> At the end of your life, your greatest regret won't be the thing you did, but you wish you hadn't. Your greatest regret will be the things you didn't do, but wish you had. I'm going to read that again. At the end of your life, your greatest regret won't be the thing you did, but you wish you hadn't. Your greatest regret will be the things you didn't do, but wish you had. Now, I didn't come up with that. Um, I actually ran into a guy um, who shared it with me at the conference. Uh, it's a Mark Batterson. He is an author. You can, I mean, I don't know if his books are good or not. I've never read any of them, okay? But I heard this quote, and I was like, wow, this is really impactful. Um, I'm wrestling with that right now. I'm wrestling with the, I'm 34 years old. 
30 years from now, I'm going to be 64 years old. Am I going to be in a place where I look back and I say, wow, I got everything out of life that God wanted for me. Man, I, I went after his purposes. I pursued him. Sometimes I didn't get it right. Sometimes I didn't know. Sometimes it was difficult. Sometimes it was hard. Sometimes I didn't understand, God, why you told me to go this way, and I'm going to fail and fail and fail and fail just for me to understand that through that failure, you were preparing me for the next thing and the best thing for my life. I'm wrestling with that right now because I don't want to look back on my life with regret. I don't want to look back on my life and say, you know what? I missed it. I missed it. I don't want to be like the nation of Israel. I don't want to wander for another 40 years. I want to know that God said it. I'm going to do it. Regardless of the consequences, regardless of my comfort level, the obstacles that I have, or the excuses I want to make, whatever they may be, real or imaginary, I'm going to follow after God because I, there are two sides to every single story and I want to be on the right side of the story. I want to be on the, now let me say this, every one of us has a story. Which side of the story are you going to be on? I don't want to be over here. I don't want to look back on my life and say, I spent all my time on the left side of the story. I want to say I spent all my time on the right side of the story. Now I'll finish up. Man, I didn't think I'd go an hour, but here we go. All right. Um, some of y'all, there may be people in here that, one thing that you're saying about missing it is maybe you don't have a relationship with Christ right now. So why do I want you to have a relationship with Christ? Because I don't want you to miss it. I don't want you to miss it. Um, I, salvation is wonderful. Salvation is, is, is our opportunity to go to heaven. But I want you to know, if you're not saved, it's much more than that. Heaven is great, and heaven is wonderful, and I'm so glad that I'm getting to go, but I promise you what God has done in my life here and now, in the past and in the future, it's amazing to see how much more He wants to do through me and with me in the time I have here as well. So if you're at that place and saying, you know what, this whole God thing, this whole Jesus thing, I don't know about that, you know, maybe the decision you need to make is not just about what is my next step, it's about one step of obedience and accepting Him as your Savior. Um, I love y'all. Thank you so much for being here. Um, I know it was raining. I know you had so many reasons to say there were obstacles and excuses to not being here. But you saw this as an opportunity. And you saw this as an opportunity for God to continue to empower you to go out in this world and to make a difference. So I thank you for being here. Lord, I thank you for this day. Lord, I pray that this is not falling on deaf ears. Lord, I, 